Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Trent, and I'm here with my good friend, Alan. And we talk about things that folks deal with in their churches and and ministry leaders deal with because we want you to be able to endure. And uh, one of the frustrations, Alan, that um, so many people have in churches, and I I guess it's the, I don't know if it's just uh, leaders in churches, but everybody kind of notices that there's a back door to churches that people, they come in, but then they disappear. And, And so... Let, today, let's talk about how does that, how do we change that? What's the word that we kind of focus on or what's the process we focus on? Yeah, we want to talk about discipleship. And Trent, you're right. I think, I think people are really up in arms about what to do about discipleship um, in our churches today. I think the question is, um, are you doing it? You know, mm-hmm. there's the question, is it, is it taking place? The question is, what does it look like? You know, right. um, I think there's that question. I think the question of what's the end result is is out there too a little bit. And we're not going to we can't answer all the questions that people have about discipleship. But I do think that we can maybe talk through some of the tensions and maybe bring light to some of these conversations to help people maybe filter through that in in their own church and in their own life. Yeah, I hope so. And that's what the goal of our conversation today is is to uh, get you to think about um, do you have a process um, first of all and and if you do is it working Um, but you know as you think about discipleship really what it is is life on life it's it's someone who has um, become a follower of Jesus helping someone who has just recently become a follower of Jesus learn how to walk with him and so um, we want to talk through a little bit of that. So the first tension that you mentioned, Alan, um, we want to talk about is people versus a process. And so, you know, is it about the person or is it about the process? So start us out on that. <laughs> well, you know, when I read when I read books or articles on discipleship, Trent, you know, I, I see a lot, a lot of process-oriented material out there. There's been no so- shortage of process-oriented material, um, whether it's experiencing God. You know, you and I have both been through one called Master Life, which I thought was a wonderful process. Processes mm-hmm. are great, um, but sometimes processes lose people. And so then you swing back to the other side. People say, well, discipleship's not the process. It's really all about relationships, and, and it's all about people. But there is a balance in there, because if it's all, if it's all processes, then people are going to lose interest. But if it's all people, the process can be cut short. So, you know, how do you balance that tension? Right. Well, and in, in, in the balance, there's the, the – considering the person who's doing the discipling and considering the person who's being discipled. Um, if you make it all about the process, it, your personality, a, a person who is like an accountant, they like the check boxes. You know, they, they want, okay, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and it becomes all about the process. Um, but then some personality types, you know, are, they really want to focus on the people, but you do have to have a blend because you got to know where you're going and know if you've achieved anything but you also have to take into account that person that you're dealing with as well. Yeah, I think no one, you know, 
no one in your church wants to be discipled in the way that they go off on a journey and you say you're going to come out of this a disciple and they don't want to end up going nowhere you know they don't want to be taken on a trip to end up right back where they started so you have to have enough process and enough in place to know that you're taking people towards the destination that you want them to take and so if you don't have an idea of the destination um it doesn't matter how good you are with people you're gonna you're gonna have a problem but there's that other side too that if you're so clearly defined and this is the process and everyone has to go through this process you're going to lose some people along the way who need more relationship and you know my example trent is i wanted to learn to play guitar so i i took a beginning guitar class at a local college about halfway through the class the instructor came to me and says i am willing to give you personal lessons for free for the next however amount of time but would you not come back to class you're slowing the class down <laughs> so i'm the guy that needed i'm the guy that needed a different process i needed someone the the person who could help me through a different process <laughs> right yeah well that's such a <laughs> that's a hilarious story but uh, it makes me think too that not every process fits every person right um and so you know as a church we typically want to okay here's our process we're gonna do this but that may not work for everybody that um comes to be a part of your church and so you know how do you can you massage it and make it fit you know it's, it's so hard. And the, another part of that is that um, I think a lot of people complain that there's um, a lot of folks are not committal enough. They won't be committed to a process. And so you just automatically are um, going to talk about, we're going to talk about that in accountability here in just a minute, but that's a struggle. And it, it comes down to personality of the person you're dealing with. So let's let's talk about the next tension um macro versus micro now i i took macroeconomics and microeconomics and <laughs> i was not good at either one of them and uh so what is this talking about <laughs> well you know Trent, when we talk about macro i'm talking about that large group setting think about the church the church together so whether you might be a small church, you know, you may only have 20 or 30 people, you may have 100 people, you may have 500 people, thousands of people. Um, but many churches today assume that you can do discipleship on that macro level, that that's what our worship service is geared for. Our worship service is discipleship. And I think whenever you take that approach, you're, gonna, you're going to have a problem because the large the large group can't replace the importance of a smaller segment in making disciples and so when i think about the macro that's what i'm talking about micro i'm talking about whether it's small groups sunday school discipleship groups life groups whatever that is or even one-on-one -on -one or or one-on-one on two or three uh, mentoring type situations that, that that's the micro relationship and so you can't you can't really do that, do discipleship completely at a macro level. Mm -hmm. Well, here's an example. I know that Alan just, he got to go take some scuba, di scuba diving lessons. And so um, this will make sense to you, I think, Alan. But 
when we think of the macro and we think of churches doing discipleship, you know, you can only go so deep with a large group with your Sunday morning service, right? You, you can't go real, real deep with that whole big group because there are so many personalities and you can't answer questions in that setting. You can't do a lot of that. So you can only go so deep. But then with the micro, with a smaller group in your church, with Sunday school or, you know, one-on-one, hopefully, you can go, you can learn to go so much deeper. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, you, it, you need both. You, you've got to have both because you've got to take those first levels down with a macro group with a larger group and you get them excited about the Bible and then you help them to be part of a smaller group that takes them further down, further down. Does that make yeah, sense? The, yeah, the, the micro is enhanced by the macro. So the small mm-hmm. group, the smaller segment is enhanced by what's taking place in the in the larger segment. And it and really, you know, a, a compelling large group gathering creates the pathways and the desire for people to be part of the of the smaller of the smaller segment it's what builds into it and so that gives it life that gives it legs um to to run and to do something dynamic but i'm i'm fearful a lot of times that you know I, i after being in colorado for 20 years and coming back to to east texas one of the differences is is the frequency of meeting together was much less in Colorado than it is in East Texas. Mm-hmm. And so that made, that made discipleship much harder from that standpoint in Colorado because the expectation is I can get that on Sunday morning and I don't need it. I don't need it any other time. I just need it in that, in that large group setting. And it doesn't work well that way. Right. Yeah, because you, you just... You've got to get to a point where you're going to get deeper and you're, otherwise you just have a bunch of very shallow people in their faith, you know, new new believers or new babies in the faith, as Paul would say, you know, hey, by now you ought to be doing this, you ought to be eating steak, but instead you're still having milk. Yeah, and I would say, I would say that it, it this is one of those ones where it doesn't necessarily go opposite. I mean, the church can thrive even as a micro church. You can have a church of a, that's just a small handful of people, a house, a house group, or, or whatever. Um, but you really can't have effective discipleship in a in a huge setting. It just isn't something that can happen effectively. So, um, yeah. it's it's not an equal. This one it probably isn't completely equal. But again, even in a small group setting, if you assume that everyone's at exactly the same spot, that's not going to be helpful either. Right. You, know, you do have to recognize the individuality of people in that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and I, I want to put in here, too, that you hear this, um, the gripe among pastors. that You go to a pastor's conference, and I've been to a bunch of them, and yet nobody's doing discipleship, and, not, and we're not doing this. And, and I want to say... Yes and no. Okay, I I get it that we're not getting people to where we want them to be, but there's a lot of discipleship happening out there. It may be just what we're talking about, that it's a whole lot of macro, you know, discipleship, and we're not taking people to the next step. You know, there are, gosh, there's all kinds of things that are happening. Sunday school classes, there's, um, you know, 
Dana and I just got back from a marriage conference and, and there's, there's some discipleship happening all the time. It's just not, we're frustrated that it's not getting to the point where people are com as committed as we thought they should be. Yeah. And maybe that, like you said, that maybe that's because you're staying at that macro level and you're not breaking that down into the smaller segments. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, there's, I think there's num numerous reasons why that takes place. I think a lot of it goes back to, to that process side of things. Uh, you don't know where you're going, so you're going to a lot of places, but you're not getting to a destination. It's kind of like you're right. making a lot of stops on your way to somewhere. You just wish you knew some, where somewhere was. Yeah. And so you need to give definition to that. You know, we can sit, we could sit around and, and argue the merits and, and was the purpose driven church, the right thing for every church. And we, we could argue all those kinds of things. But I think one thing that it did well was it put a process, a, a, a process that attempted to be people oriented to discipleship. And if, if, that was nothing else that came out of that. I think that was good because many churches have created their own pathway that says this is where our outcome, this is the desired outcome, this is how we get there. And they may have two or three different ways of getting there, but that's how they get there. And I think that that, that part's good because they yes. recognize the value of that smaller segmentation um, with, within the church. And so I think that's a healthy thing. Right. Well, a couple of things about that. I don't think a lot of churches have said what their outcome is. Uh, you know, honestly, they haven't said, okay, we want you to be able to be like this, you know, and, and be deeper in your faith. Uh, and, and also, because of our culture is changing so quickly in the last several years, uh, we're reading a book right now called Canoeing the Mountains. Um, I would suggest that book. It's a great book. Um, and it talks about the process or the frustration that uh, Lewis and Clark had, you know, they were thinking there was going to be this Northwest Passage where you could go by water all the way across to the Pacific Ocean. Turned out not to be the truth. They get to a point and they're like, okay, the water runs out. They've got to ditch the canoes. And, and that's kind of where we are now in our culture has changed. It's not what we thought it would be. And so accountability and discipleship is, is changing. And we're having to ditch some things that we were so used to. We've got to be willing to try new things in that. Yeah, that's a great thought. And I appreciate you um, bringing, bringing that example out. You know, I think Trent, you mentioned it, you've mentioned it a couple of times now, and I think that's an important one. Hard accountability versus, versus a soft accountability. That's a, that is a tension, and I know I, I know a lot of churches struggle um, with that. You struggle with it in church membership. You struggle with it with uh, with uh, expectations on church leaders, whether that be deacons or boards or or whatever that you have in your church. And you know how how hard do you hold people accountable, or do you barely hold them accountable and let God do? do all that work what is our responsibility in there boy that's a tough one that's a tough one it to is. think about yeah and you had put a phrase in our notes and I, i'm so glad that we get to post our show notes so people can read this but um clear expectations generate better results and that is so true and we've gotten to go and see and be and be part of services of lots of um, new church plants 
And I've seen that in this area specifically, new church plants are way better at this than churches that have been in existence for a long time um, because they've, they've thought it through. And churches that have been in, a, in existence for a long time, they just, there's not really any expectations. They're not very clear if they are. And so, you know, what's, is there accountability for the members? Not really. But um, so maybe, and it's hard as an existing church to, to go and say, okay, now to everybody's here, this is the, the uh, accountability frame that we want you to live in. So it's tough. Absolutely. It's tough. Yeah, but what happens though, if you, and you can become so married though to your accountability, and I have seen churches do this, that they become so rigid in their expectations um, that it frustrates the growth of people along the way and so there's kind of like it's kind of like climbing everest there's a lot of dead bodies scattered along the along the journey now yeah yeah you're right um and so there's another area where you've got to have some balance or maybe it depends on well think about this as a new pastor coming to an existing church and you're you think okay what is the deal where are we at in this do you want to be do you want to be the guy that brings in the accountability part? And you may be the dead body along the way, you know, <laughs> it's going to be that's hard. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And there's little things you can do to just start building that in, whether that's, you know, a leadership, a leadership covenant or, mm-hmm. you know, th- different things like that. Start, start with your best, you know, mm-hmm. and, and let them help you develop those those expectations and develop the process because it, uh, the process of discipleship needs to be bigger than any pastor. Yeah. I think that's one of the problems is we've allowed pastors to determine what discipleship is instead of really letting that flow out of God's word and who we are as God's, God's people been preaching through judges and in judges, it says something interesting. It says that God raised up judges. And as long as the judge was alive, he honored that judge. Mm-hmm. Now, why was he just honored the judge? Well, because because that was the one who was following his direction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't have been that way. That's actually right. a, a a bad example of mm-hmm. how it didn't have to be, but how it was. And our churches shouldn't yeah. be that way. Well, in Judges, it also says that after each judge, it was only a generation, and they were worse off than they were to begin yeah. with. And so that shows that they were just, it was just, you know, well, like with Gideon, they wanted him to become the king. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. So they were following the pastor instead of God's word. You know, so Trent, you mentioned, I mean, the whole reason that we even put this one together had to do something with your, your this sense of are we or are we not? And I think it comes back to the, having some level of organization. So right. maybe you don't need super rigid accountability, but you need strong accountability. And so mm-hmm. I think that to know that you're doing discipleship means that you at least have an organized approach to right. discipleship. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, you've got to have some process. We talked a little bit about that a while ago, that there's, you know, there's got to be some expectation of a person going through a process to be completely discipled. I don't know that we're all ever completely discipled until we get to heaven, 
but we ought to be growing. And, and I think the frustration comes with pastors who are dealing with a whole lot of, of people who have been believers for a long time that are still baby Christians and they've never grown. They've never gone through a process or at least they can't show that they're continuing to grow as believers. Yeah, so just organize your thoughts, organize your direction. You know, you don't have to do it the way Rick Warren did it. You don't have to, but you have to have some kind of organized, um, rational approach that helps people get from one point to, to another point. So another tension, the, the last tension that we wanted to bring up has to do with the, the idea of what is discipleship. I think sometimes in our modern world, you and I talk a lot about leadership, mm-hmm. but leadership development is not necessarily discipleship development it could be but it's not necessarily and i think a lot of our churches today are making a mistake of doing leadership development and thinking that they're doing discipleship Mm -hmm. yeah um and i love this statement in here is disciples create leaders but good leaders may or may not create good disciples um and so I agree with what you just said that, you know, it's not, it's not always inclusive. Just because I'm developing leaders doesn't mean that I'm developing a person who is a disciple, who is walking with Jesus. Maybe they're just walking with that leader. That's my fear. Yeah, I think we, and we've certainly seen that. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's much easier to fall into this trap today because um, forums can get so big. And, and platforms can get so big and it really becomes easy to follow after follow after people but we are we are in a time where i'm afraid that one of our frustrations could be that we've got people who are getting really skilled and at leading meetings and having tough conversations and all these things that we expect leaders to do but they're not growing spiritually and I think what happens is, is it that you know it becomes a ripe environment for what we're hearing about faith deconstruction and other things because we're trying to get people comfortable in places of leadership, but we're not growing them spiritually in the in the way that we should. And that, you know, it's it's a strong tension. But I I would just want to caution people: remember, if you do the work of discipleship, you will create leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, right. and so let let you know and there's places to get your spiritual those who are growing spiritually leadership development i think that's one of the reasons you and i are in the roles that we're in is to kind of be a resource to for where do we go when we've got someone who's at this place they need to take that next step in spiritual leadership you know i think that's one of the reasons that that we're where we're at today well and and we see so many churches that are so desperate for leaders that they stick somebody who's not been through a discipleship process into a leadership role that they have no business being in and talk about setting them up for failure. You know, um, we, <laughs> we're excited. They've got a pulse. Let's put them in leadership yeah. of the kids program. No, don't do that. You know, no. Yeah. Let them so, assist, give them, give them responsibility. I'm, I'm big and letting, letting new believers have roles, but like the Bible says, yeah tells us about an overseer they should not be a recent convert there's mm-hmm. a reason there's a reason for that leadership yeah. does not equal spiritual maturity and mm-hmm. uh, 
that that is something that we always we have to keep that that tension there especially in a world that treasures platforms and leaders like like our world does today so Trent, I think the other tension is how do you measure? Mm -hmm. And we we talked about measurements a few weeks ago. We don't want to we don't want to just kind of harp and rehash what we did, but there's some important metrics, right, for measuring discipleship. Yeah, um, it seems like people are afraid of metrics, but you do have to be able to take a hard look sometimes at your church and say, how are we doing? You know. Um, how are we really accomplishing or are we accomplishing at all what we want to do? And, and so one of the things on here is uh, percent of people who are serving in the church. You know, the old joke of, well, there's 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. Well, why is that? Because you, you know, never asked the other ones and never taught them. Never, and like Alan just said, you've never given them a role to watch and walk by with someone, you know. Yeah, it's so important. You know, I, I preach often to churches about that 80-20 rule. Why is it and why do we accept it? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my big question. Why do we accept that? Yeah. Imagine how much work we would get done if if 40% of the people were at work. We'd be doing 160% of what we thought we could do. If oh, 60% yeah. got involved, we'd be doing 240% of what we thought we could do. I mean, just think about it. just think about it. if twenty percent can do that. What what would happen if a hundred percent got involved? We 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 don't have a clue what that church um, would look like. So it's important. So ask yourself: What percentage of the people in the church are serving serving in the church? What percentage of your people are are involved in outreach, evangelism, um, and missions? You know what people what percentage of people are doing that those are those are metrics you actually can put a a pen and pencil to right and it's pretty obvious when our churches aren't baptizing people you're not seeing people come to faith and then be baptized um wow we're we're not having a lot of people who are doing those things but then there's some other things i i think that we we need to teach people too, and that's in that discipleship process, and that's time spent in prayer and Bible study. And, and man, right now, Alan, if you want to kill something, call it a prayer meeting. You know, um, and that is so sad because that's where our that's where our power comes from. Spending time in prayer. That's where God's vision and wisdom comes to us. Is spending time in prayer. Yeah, we've got a pastor coming to a conference here to talk about their prayer meetings because they are they are seeing God blow the doors off their church because of their commitment to prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm excited to hear him talk about what God is doing because of their posture of prayer that their church has willfully taken. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I think that that is the most <laughs> underutilized source in our church, and I've been guilty of fostering that probably. I'm in my ministry at times, and yeah. yet we know that we are to be a people of prayer. And you're right; yeah. I think prayer that time, and you can't probably measure that, you mm-hmm. know. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. But to know that your people are spending time in God's Word and that they're spending time in prayer—that's that's so huge. And then yeah. you can measure this one, but but you can't measure the commitment level. But commitment to a small group or or some kind of mentoring relationship, I think you you can kind of measure it. But again, it's hard to measure true commitment. 
you know, because yeah. people can show up but not be there. Mm -hmm. You know, are they engaged? Are they participating? Are they prepared? You know, are are you truly committed, or are you just kind of a a wait and see kind of person with that? So, I think yeah, that's something that's else you should pay attention to. Right? Are your motives when you do show up? Well, I'm just checking the boxes. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not really yeah. all here. Right? So, yeah, um, all of this is so important. You know, um, we we want to encourage you to as you're listening through this that yes, discipleship is happening, but is it taking people to the depths of faith that we want them to be so that they can continue to grow and to, and to be part of the serving arm of the church and part of the outreach that Jesus called us to be in? Um, you know, I, I mentioned the Canoeing the Mountains book, and, and in that he talks about, you know, there's there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, are you doing maintenance or are you being missional? Maintenance or missional? And unfortunately, a lot of our churches are just in the maintenance part, and you have to change your teaching to become missional. You can't just slap that label on your church and if you're not changing your teaching. Uh, and so you've got to, that's important. And that, man, I want to come to that deal with that pastor that's coming to your area. I want to learn. I want to hear about their prayer deal. So, uh, well, maybe we, maybe maybe uh, once I get that opportunity to sit down and talk with him, maybe we'll have an interview for a podcast. That'd be great. Yeah. So, oh my yes. So, so we'll see. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. One of the last things that um, we're going to include in the show notes. We're not going to go through all this right now, but. Um, We've got a list of some books that were given to me by a friend um, who's also a director of missions and and their um, resources for discipleship. And so we're going to post those for you. Um, some of them you'd be familiar with, I'm sure, and some may be new to you. Uh, but we just want you to know that there are some books out there that can maybe help you and point you in the direction so that you can have a process. We want you to have a process, but you also have to think through the people that you deal with as well. There is that tension, but you can you can balance it. And we'll also put a link in there, Tramp, for Todd Bolslinger's Canoeing the Mountains book. Um, mm -hmm. So people can check that out if, if they're interested. And um, again, thanks for thanks for mentioning that resource. So there's some tensions in discipleship. We, we hope this has been an encouraging conversation to you. You're probably doing more discipleship, but are you really getting people to that final destination? So. There's probably some tension in your own life, in your own ministry about what it looks like. Maybe we've helped um, just bring you to a few places of clarity today. And we certainly hope we have because that's our desire to help you and your church endure. So maybe we missed something. Don't, don't hesitate to drop us a line and let us know. But we appreciate you. Thanks for taking time to listen. And we look forward to having you back next week.